What is up, my dear language learning masters? Welcome to Natural Podcast and welcome to a new interview of the Language Input Podcast. And today I'm going to have Kathy from Australia. And well, she's, she's going to tell us about her experience teaching Indonesian in Australia and, you know, about the difference between teaching Indonesian with the traditional grammar approach uh, versus teaching with comprehensible input, you know, the difference it made in her own journey and the difference that's made in, in her students as well. So as usual, hope you enjoy it and as much as I did. And yeah, let's get right into it. Let's go. Hi, Kathy, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on, like I said. And yeah, as usual, let's just start by, you know, just tell us whatever comes to your mind about yourself when it comes to your uh, language experience as a language teacher and student yourself. So you'd like me to introduce myself? Yeah, yeah. What's your name? Hey. Um, okay, um, yeah, I teach Indonesian and I've taught Indonesian to students from four years old up to probably, oh, I guess, 14, 15 year olds. So, um, and I've also taught adults, but um, yeah, I just dip in the ocean with that. Um, I've spoken Indonesian basically all my life. My father was an interpreter and translator in the Navy. And he was learning Indonesian when I was learning to speak. So my sister and I joined in on his lessons. He was doing the audiolingual method where listen and repeat. And it was great homework for two young girls who were <laughs> who weren't allowed to do anything else but join in the lessons. Um, yeah, so that's basically my history of my language and my teaching. Um, I've been teaching language for, um, oh my goodness, I think I started in, uh, what was it, 2002, teaching language. I mean, I was a classroom teacher before that. Um, and I've been a TPRS teacher since 2014. Okay. So the first 12 years of your teaching career, did you use this traditional grammar? Uh, yep. I taught exactly as I'd been taught. And then I went on... We have here in Australia this amazing, amazing system where for every 10 years of service, you get three months paid leave. And I know it's awesome. And um, so one year in 2013, I did it. I took six months on half pay um, and traveled around Indonesia. And um, I remember sitting down and just just doing that thinking that we all go through at one point and we say, look, I've been teaching language for so many years and none of my kids speak Indonesian. They forget it as soon as they walk out of the classroom. Mm -hmm. Why can't, how can I, how can I change that? And I spent a lot of that six months just considering and talking, thinking about that. And when I came back, I did some serious researching and discovered the wonderful Martina Becks. <laughs> and she was the beginning of yeah of it all and then I joined Ben Slavik's website and through that he introduced me to Katerina Greenberg and I don't know if you've 
heard of her. She is an amazing, amazing teacher. And she's been my mentor from the start. And she is, um, she's just an incredible, I've been very blessed to have her as my mentor. Mm -hmm. Up until even this year, I've, she's still mentoring me to this day. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, we can always learn more, right? Yeah, yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's, that's, it's interesting because I think uh, that, that's the, like that's, that's been the case for a lot of us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like uh, doing the transition between learning or teaching languages the traditional way and mm -hmm. just realizing that there might be something wrong here. Like in my case, it was when I first came to Poland and I started learning the language. Uh, so yeah, I live in Poland now. So when, when I first came to Poland, I remember, I mean, because at that time, the only thing I knew was the traditional grammar approach. So when I started learning the language, I went to a like language academy and the classes were just grammar, you know? And uh, so it was my personal experience that made me realize, oh, mm, I think there's something wrong here. Because <laughs> mm. for, for a native Spanish speaker, I had, I had English or French before, and it obviously didn't work either, but you kind of, you can sort of uh, fool yourself a little bit because of the similarities between languages, you know? Yeah. But when I started learning Polish, which is a completely different language. Yeah, totally. Funny grammar, if you will. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> I started to realize that, wait a minute. So every time I'm walking down the street and I want to talk to someone, I need to think about all the different grammar scenarios because there's it's a language with I think they're called cases or declensions in English. I believe like you know Latin that has different mm. I think they're called cases. So there's a different ending to words depending on the yeah function. and Bre Breton is the same, isn't it? Okay. And and so is Indonesian. Uh huh. Mm -mm. So I started thinking. Okay, so depending on the specific function of, of this word in the sentence, I need to use a different case. Correct. Right, yes. Okay. yes. And if it's masculine, feminine, or neutral, <laughs> yeah. I need to use a different ending. Oh, well, luckily we don't have masculine, feminine in Indonesian. So right. that's one complication removed. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but the, yeah, I mean, the, the, the bottom line is by the time I come up with the right answer, the other person is long gone, right? <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, just saying goodbye from their house. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I said, this can't be the way to learn a language. No, exactly. So yeah. that's, that was when it, it all gelled for you, was it? That's when it clicked for me, yeah. Mm. That's when I started my own research um, journey mm -hmm. as well, like reading Stephen Krashen's books and mm. going to Ajahn, you know. Yes, wasn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I think that's why back to Ajahn and to other conferences mm -hmm. or experiences, experiencing um, the language class as a student yourself, is really powerful. It's incredible, isn't it? Because I grew up speaking Indonesian, um, or not fluently, but my, my fluency has improved as with, you know, with time. But because I grew up and when I went to school, because I went to school and learned Indonesian at high school as well, I was 
I knew the language and I knew it felt right. I, I could say it in my head and it either was felt right or it felt wrong. So I had huge advantage. And all it did was cement a lot of these things that you're talking about where you have a base word mm -hmm. and then you've got the prefixes and suffixes. And it all it did was cement why I used this prefix at this point and this suffix at another point. All it did was you know, basically join the dots for me. But when I was in you know, at Argent and I did Breton, Oh my goodness, it was like, it was this light bulb moment for me. Like, this is what it actually feels like for my students when I'm mm. rabbiting on in Indonesian right. too fast and it's not comprehensible. Yes, it's the best experience in the, at all, isn't it? It's so humbling. Yeah, especially if it's a language that you're starting from scratch, that you know mm. nothing okay. about. Absolutely, because I don't speak Spanish. I only speak Indonesian and English. So, you know, I, you know it was just really powerful experience. Yeah. Mm. Like mm. This. Yeah. Mm. I was thinking about another example, but I forgot. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, you, you talked about yeah, what, what feels right. Yeah, yeah. I, I just remember that mm. it's so funny because I remember I used to ask my Polish friends here. So why do you change that in this specific sentence? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right before starting my research journey, of course. And mm -hmm. all the time they would tell me, I don't know, it just sound right. Exactly. You know? yeah. And same yeah. thing when, when people ask me about Spanish, like mm -hmm. their favorite is the subjunctive. <laughs> and I'm like, whatever. <laughs> so why, why, why are you using it here? And they're like, because it sounds right to me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and sometimes if, if uh, I mean, it doesn't happen anymore because of, you know, I, I'm putting out the content. So people who are interested in Spanish, in learning Spanish and come to me, they already know. They, they know what to expect. They know I'm not going to give them for mm. the grammar study. So I don't need to do any convincing, right? Mm. But at, at the beginning, you know, people asking me questions about bird tenses that I, I, I don't really know myself. <laughs> and, and I'm a native speaker. And, and, you know, they ask me a question about the language and I need to stop and think about it for a good couple of minutes to come up with an answer that I just made up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Just because you speak a language fluently does not automatically mean you understand all the and can verbalize all the reason, you know, the grammar rules. We're, we're probably a native speaker is probably the worst person to ask. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but mm. I, I'm, I've talked about it and I'm starting to think that it can actually get, it can even get in the way. Like, studying, yes, studying grammar. I agree. Yeah. Mm, oh. I agree. It does, it's, it's that noise that just adds to the noise that you're, you, that's in your head when you're trying to communicate. Right, because I, I want to ask you about that when it comes to Indonesian, because when you started learning Indonesian, it was a sort of the natural way, right? Because you were a little girl and you weren't really worried about, you know, paying conscious attention to form and so on. But then when you went to high school, oh yeah, I guess that's, that was grammar all over again. Oh, 100%. It was 100% grammar. Yes, and it was that grill and drill, you know, that, right. that you know, let's fill in the gap and let's mm -hmm, practice mm -hmm. this um, grammar structure. And yeah, it was incredibly, well, it was boring for everyone else. I loved it because it was easy. 
right. Yeah. And I also had a father who was heavily invested in my la- in my in my my language learning. So um, which was an added bonus, whereas it's the total flip for most of my students. Most of my students' parents, it's probably the subject that they care the or you know place the least importance on. Whereas for my father, it was the only subject that he was interested in. Mm. So because he could in, you know engage with me on it, and yeah, right. and we had people visiting all the time, so I could practice my Indonesian as well. So yeah. Mm. But yeah, but and my question is, when you started um, learning <laughs> uh, in high school, did did you feel like? I mean, I don't know if you were aware of that at that time, but did you feel like it was getting in the way for you? What I mean is, what I mean is, you, you could already speak the language before those classes, right? Mm. I I understood it. I was at that point. My fluency was at the point where I understood a hundred percent, but I didn't. I was the output was low because, mm-hmm. um, well, That's I was, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, true. I guess I was a typical heritage speaker, if you like, but using the American term, uh-huh. um, yeah. Where, yeah, I guess really in retrospect, I was because I couldn't write. I mean, I could read and I could um, understand, but my writing would have was, you know, was pretty poor because I didn't know how to spell or even though it's very phonetic language. Um, yeah, it was quite interesting. I hadn't thought about that before. Mm. Yeah, because it's, um, yeah, it's my theory that I'm working on recently. Like, <laughs> with, um, since I started doing my research and I started learning other languages completely mm. with no grammar at all, mm. I, I, I'm noticing differences that, that that's why I'm starting to think that it gets in the way because mm. if you've had some uh, traditional grammar study, when, when mm. you're about to say something, you're still paying attention to form like subconsciously. Mm. Because you're trying to recall those specific structures that you learn mm. consciously, yeah. and it gets in the way because yeah. when when you've le- when you've acquired a language without that, mm. you have that to sort of rely on, right? So yeah. when it comes out of your mouth, it's natural. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. So you don't have that sort of grammar knowledge to rely on. So you don't start when you're about to speak. No. But, but when you overthink it, you know, when you start, when you overthink it, then you start to question yourself and you actually have to take, you have to really, what's the word, um, force yourself to stop overthinking it and just let it come naturally. Right. That, that's what I remember doing at high school is like, because when I overthought it, I, I doubted myself and that's when I started to make mistakes. Mm. But you know, trying to squeeze that round peg into a square hole. But when I just let it go and just did it without thinking, I got everything right. But when I overthought it, I had errors. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, it's like uh, it, it even gets to the point that I, I, I've noticed it. I mean, obviously afterwards, but <laughs> I've noticed it several times that I, I'm about to reply to some specific in some specific conversation or whatever the setting. And like my natural, my instinct is to to respond to that without thinking about it. Yeah. But then I stop to think about it because of that yes. because yes. of that conscious mm-hmm. study. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, the first time around was actually the correct one. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but then I get messed up because I start thinking about different possibilities. And, yeah. Yeah. and I, I've noticed that with my students as well. Mm. Sometimes they just respond, whatever comes mm. to their mind first. Mm. And many times that's, that's actually correct, but then mm. they start overthinking it. And, yes. and it's not that they, they say it a different way, but they start thinking about different options. Mm. Mm -hmm. it, it happens a lot. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes, that about sums up my experience with learning Spanish, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, yeah. and do you have any, like any of your students, did you have the same students before teaching with comprehensive input and so on and afterwards? So oh, I did it. Yes, so I did. Uh-huh. Mm, I did. And I don't remember their proficiency. Yeah, I know that changed, but I just remember that engagement went through the roof mm. and the feeling of success. They just felt successful significantly more mm. afterwards I, that's what i vividly remember because you know that's that was in 24 uh, 2014 2015 so it's quite a ways a long time ago now and those kids have moved on but yeah it was it was it blew me away yeah right mm. i guess before that was the traditional setting in which students are just you know just sitting down and <laughs> it was back. i remember doing flashcards every lesson and just trying to and they were all nouns so they were hopelessly useless um hmm. because and also words that you know they would never use if they ever did go to indonesia so it, yeah right, that's right. what i remember um and lots of just busy work just to keep them busy, but not really, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it wasn't useful in the terms of proficiency or fluency. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's how it feels like they're learning in the eyes of the school, their parents and so on. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, one of the first things I remember when I did first transition to TCI was the number of parents that stopped me in the yard on, at school pickup to say, Oh my goodness, our kids are talking Indonesian at the dinner table and we have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> that was awesome to think that, am I finally giving them the language to communicate? Mm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> we hope you're not teaching them curse words or something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the worst word I ever taught them was the word for poo. Um, okay. And um, yeah, hey, there's only so many ways you can use that word. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because yeah. how much time do they get in Indonesian, like through other education? Oh, it, it really depends on the school that you're teaching. There's no standard okay. um, formula. Um, at the school I started at, they were getting 100 minutes a week. So two lots of 50 minute lessons, um, which I didn't think was enough, but they actually did quite well on that. The school I'm now teaching at, they get 60 minutes a week. So that's one 60 minute lesson a week. Um, and it's incredible the, how, what a difference it makes having only one 60 minute lesson as opposed to two 50 minute lessons. Yeah, but you know, they're still, still progressing and still making head, you know, making huge steps in that time. Yeah, yeah, they're still getting comprehensive input, they need. It just Absolutely. Less mm. time, yeah. Mm. yeah. But, but is, it, is it the second language in Australia? 
in terms of learning or Spanish, French? Um, I don't know. I'd say Chinese would be a lot. Indonesian actually as a second language is the, the numbers of school te schools teaching it at the moment is dropping so quickly we can't keep up with it. Um, it's just incredible how how quickly it's um, yeah it's losing popularity not popularity but um, unfortunately the government um, is really promoting STEM and STEAM at the moment. Do you have those terms? What's so that? it's um, science, technology, engineering, and oh math. right yeah 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 right yeah yeah. So schools are given massive amounts of money to build these labs or whatever and. And so that's definitely the flavor of the month. And unfortunately, the value of, of languages is not, um, uh, you know, not high at the moment. So schools are deliberately not replacing language teachers when they leave so that they can find a STEM teacher instead. Mm -hmm. um, it's happening quite, uh, it's, it's quite appalling actually how common that is. Yeah, so, but I would say of all the languages, off the top of my head, I'd say Chinese is the one that's, um, not Mandarin Chinese is the mm -hmm. most popular and they have a huge support, huge financial support and huge support from the Chinese Association, the Australian Chinese Association. So, yeah, it's, yeah. So, but the, the mm -hmm. demand still there for parents or students, I guess, or? For, for what? The, the demand for Indonesian. I mean, is it still there or? Oh, I'd say it's always going to be here because diplomatically, there has to be a demand. It's our closest neighbor. Yeah, yeah correct, correct. Yeah. So, um, and if you look at our government and the amount of times they've offended the Indonesian government through not, under, not understanding the intercultural, under, you know, not appreciating the differences culturally, but also not having the language, having to rely on interpreters to translate messages. It's, you would think it would be more highly valued than it is, but unfortunately it's not. Right, right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I'm just, yeah, I'm curious as well, like students or parents who want their kids to, to learn Indonesian, is it, like because of the geographical proximity that, I mean, like th those who are interested in Indonesian, do they want to be interpreters or do they want to just travel to Indonesia or? It's mainly travel. Okay. That's the main um, appeal of learning Indonesian mm -hmm. because if you go to Indonesia and most people who do go only to Bali, uh, right, um, right. most people in Bali are quite, you know, speak quite a bit, quite enough, quite a good amount of English, because English is one of the languages you learn in Indonesia. It's, I think it's all, it's not compulsory, but I think you learn English up until you can start choosing your subjects in secondary. Um, so most people speak, you know, some English, but in Bali, they speak quite a lot. Um, but it's, it, the appeal of learning Indonesian means you can get off that beaten track, you can go and explore all the other mm -hmm. islands, and which is where you'll, experience the real Indonesia. You know, Bali's so touristy now that yeah. Um, you, yeah, it's quite spoiled in my eyes. I mean, it's still beautiful, but it's not, um, yeah, not as it was. 
Yeah, like half of the mm -hmm. island is Australian, right? <laughs> I know, and they're not the type of Australian you're proud to be associated with, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and and when when it comes to other languages that you're trying to learn or that you try to learn in the past, you mentioned Spanish. Yeah, I did right. Spanish for a bit with Margarita Perez Garcia. Uh huh. Um, yes. So she during COVID. She organized some online lessons with quite a few of us, which they were brilliant. Um, yes. Yeah, but when, I've just moved to Sydney. And so, oh no, was it last? No, it was last year when I moved into the country and I didn't have internet. So, and being at a new school and no internet um, at, to start with, I actually didn't continue, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. So, the, and, and that was your first experience with Spanish, like uh, as an adult or did my you first, yeah, My first real experience, mm. I mean, Eva Wan, obviously, um, or Anne McKelvey um, is a Spanish teacher. And so she's done a few Spanish demos for us with our conferences, workshops that we've held here. So, yeah, I've learned a little bit through her, but with Mar Margarita, it was... Yeah, that was my first true, in you know, uh, what do you call it, uh, proper, if you like. Was it for a long time or? Um, I think it went. I don't know how long it went for. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe just a year. Maybe just less than a year. Yeah, and we met randomly whenever, like whether it was in holidays. We I think we met three or four times a week, and then during the rest of the year we just met. I can't remember now whether it was every other weekend or, but um, I can't remember now, but um, it was great. Yeah. So, okay. So that was a lot of input, I guess. So, yeah. And how, was, how, how do you feel about your Spanish after that? <laughs> like, can, can, um, can you understand easy resources, easy content or? No, I can't. No. Um, and it's quite funny actually, because, a lot of the beginner or novice level Spanish material mm -hmm. is obviously designed for an American context where they have Spanish all around them. And there's a lot of words that Americans already know because they're surrounded by Spanish and it's totally incomprehensible to me. Mm. So, um, yeah, you have to start like I am right at the bottom. And I'm sure if I got started again, I'd pick up a lot of it and... But I can get the gist of, um, like, I love watching Anne's videos. Have you seen her YouTube channel? She has a, like, a, a, a Spanish YouTube channel for her juniors. She talked about uh, yeah. Yeah, and I love watching those because they help. I can follow those because they're comprehensible for me, at any rate, and um, they help. So, and if I do get stuck on a word, I just message her and say, what does this mean? <laughs> and she, <laughs> she gets back to me immediately. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but well, I think that's, that's also important to understand that it takes longer than most people think. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, again, mm. I keep saying that the good news is you're not going to have to consciously memorize words or uh, learn grammar structures and so on. So it's, it's mm. actually going to be fine, right? Mm. Mm. But it just takes a lot of input. It does. And it does. I remember somebody saying, and I can't remember who it was now. Oh, it was some um, Bill Van Patten saying that the language teacher 
is we're mainly giving our learners the key to get to open the door and they go through the door if they you know when they and then they then they have the key to go through and to actually finish their language learning if you like so we get i like to think of the fact that i give my students the bare the bare bones for them to communicate and should they go to indonesia should they be lucky enough to go to indonesia that is that'll be just the key for them to, if they live there for example then they will then just blossom and flourish from there onwards yeah yeah i always remember that analogy and i think it was really it was quite apt it's a nice one yeah yeah mm. yeah i had bill on the podcast and it was a yeah, wonderful episode yes it was yes <laughs> like he's got so much knowledge and when it comes to the language acquisition process yeah mm. Mm. Uh, yeah it is yeah, it, it, mm -hmm. mm. yeah that's right it just it is getting students to a point in which they can actually continue the, the journey on their own mm -mm, exactly mm. By, and the confidence yeah, yeah of course mm. Mm. once you get them to a point in which they can start reading books or watching mm. even if it's just cartoons or whatever it is right mm. that's that's what i do myself as a language student like um like once once i get to a point in which i can start understanding more complex resources and interesting and fun it just it's all quote-unquote downhill <laughs> <laughs> of course it's still gonna take a lot of time but because mm. sometimes with languages related to spanish like italian for example mm. right away i could understand simple content like cartoons for example so i, I started on my own Mm. The thing is, I mean, when you understand a new language, it's always exciting. <laughs> But mm. let's put it this way, cartoons are not the most interesting resource when it comes to adults. I mean, at least for me. But like I said, it's, it's, it's still exciting because you, you get to understand a new language. So that's always good. But once I got to a point in which I could understand more complex resources like documentaries or or even series later on than the road it just it's all about just getting comprehensible input by again reading books watching series listening to music whatever it is that you enjoy and sometime in the future you're going to start communicating that's right, right. But you're, but you're enjoying every single minute of it, which is key to me, because mm. I keep saying it, like, if you're not enjoying the process, sooner or later, you're going to give up. Yeah, so true. Yeah. And the, the problem is that the traditional grammar approach is so dominant all over the world that for, for most people, that's the only thing they know. And back to my example with Polish, that's the only thing I knew. But mm. the difference was so so high when it comes to the my native language in polish that it, it was actually the thing that made, made me click right mm -hmm. but it was a nightmare like how am i going to learn this language this way <laughs> there's no way did you find the fact that you're living in poland actually helped well at the beginning I'm, I'm thinking about it. it. It might be the opposite at the beginning because it's just not so no comprehensible, so not yeah. comprehensible that you might actually get discouraged. 
So how long did it take it did it take to turn around? So it was a while. So I mean, so first of all, <laughs> and my first year here, I was on it's called Erasmus in Europe, which is an exchange program for college, mm. college students. Mm -hmm. So you basically go to a different country in Europe to study for a year. But but then the classes were in English. We were, you know, it was an international atmosphere with students from different countries. So I just learned the basic, like basic words, like, you know, hi, um, give me three of those. <laughs> I just, a couple of course words here and there, of course. <laughs> but I, I, I never really at <clears throat> attempted to, to learn the language. So it was later on that I came back, <clears throat> sorry, so after that year, I came back to Spain, but then I came back to, to Poland again, because I, I loved it. Mm -hmm. And then I signed up for, for those classes that I, met, that I just mentioned. And at the beginning, you know, I was just, I was motivated because I was living in the country. So I would try to use those words in the street. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. the problem is I would sort of memorize specific sentences or words and I would mm. try to use them, I don't know, with taxi yeah, drivers or I with people. I totally relate to the, that. The problem is when they said something in, in return. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so I was just, oh, what a wonderful, what a wonderful weather we have today. I'm just making it up. I, I would just say <laughs> that. And they would say something in return. And you pay attention to whether that's a question or not. <laughs> <laughs> And if it's not a question, you're just like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're fine. But if you notice there's a question tone to it, you just freak out because you have no yes. idea what to say. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing about those classes is here and there with some story here and there, you get to acquire a little bit. It's just so inefficient, right? But mm -hmm. you might get to, to get something, but then, well, then I had a Polish girlfriend that helped, of course. Mm -hmm. And then also I started playing soccer with, um, with Polish friends. And the good thing about sports is, because I mean, most of the times everyone was Polish except for me. Mm -hmm. So they would use Polish during the game. I, I remember the first times I was playing I just didn't know how to ask for the ball or things like the most I was like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> but the good thing I was sports is it's sort of a TPR related experience. Because mm. just to give you an example that I normally use, I, I'm getting the ball and I, I, I hear one of my teammates say a specific word and I notice there's there's an opponent right behind me. Oh, so that that probably means watch out or yes you know. exactly yeah so it's 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 like a tpr related experience mm. so it's it's easier to connect those ideas mm. so that helped me but it was it was really really slow and until mm. again i got to a point in which i started watching cartoons like peppa Pig, like the most simple thing you can think of <laughs> <laughs> and obviously Back then, I didn't know about comprehensive input and so on. Mm -hmm. It was it wasn't until my third, fourth year in Poland mm. that I started doing my homework on that. Mm. So then, then and because I knew a little bit, you know, 
after the, all those experiences that I just mentioned, that I started reading comic books, uh, watching cartoons. Yes, yeah. But it, it was long, it was long. <laughs> Yes. But, but now I've gotten to a point in which I can communicate. Of course, there's still a lot of room for improvement, but I can communicate and I can mm -hmm. watch, I can even watch series with, I watch them with subtitles in, in Polish, of course. But I understand what's going on. And yeah, it's, it's really pleasant. Mm, yes. The thing is, looking backwards, I, I, I would probably have learned the language much quicker if I knew about comprehensible input right from the get, because <laughs> I would have tried to find a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. To sort of walk me through and get me to that point that we were just talking mm -hmm. about mm. without the hassle of having to consciously memorize things. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. right. Yes. But mm -hmm. it just, but right now I just, I just realized that we can learn any language and, mm. and enjoy the process every single moment. Yes, it is enjoyable, isn't it? Yeah, because and there's more and more projects for different languages. So even if you're trying to learn a quote-unquote less popular language, I mean, just mm. like your dear Indonesian, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're gonna be yeah. able to find projects or <clears throat> or just find a language teacher online or, mm. Mm. or yeah, or, or even like a language partner that you can. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm very fortunate in that I work now with in a team of four and two of the of the team are native Indonesian speakers. Oh. So, yes, it's wonderful. So we actually our meetings are largely held in Indonesian because it's the language that we can speak freely in and nobody else in the faculty, nobody else in the, right. in the area in the staff room yeah. speaks. So we can speak quite openly and um, yeah, it's very handy. Any any topic you <laughs> you want to exactly. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Yeah. Hmm. And do you have any any language in mind that you'd like to learn or that you're looking to learn or? Uh, I would really like to continue continue or not continue. That's probably the wrong word, but um, uh, improve my Spanish. That's probably the one language I would love to. That's always been the, the language I've wanted to learn. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'll do it one day. Probably, I'm still teaching. So until at this stage, it's not high priority for me. I think it'd be something I'd love to do in my retirement. Um, yeah, I, my, I think for, rather than to learn another language, there's a high, high need for Indonesian T, TPRS, TCI materials to be created because there's absolutely nothing really, mm -hmm. um, certainly nothing published. Um, so that's where I see, if I'm gonna use my energy, extra energy, that would be where I'd like to, to focus. Um, yeah, yeah like helping the future generation of teachers, right? Yes, yes, because we're quite isolated here in Australia. Um, to get to either to the States or to Europe is a major undertaking. Um, and oftentimes the conferences um, run during our school terms because we we run with the calendar year, unlike the Northern Hemisphere that runs with mm. the breaks over summer, whereas that's our winter. So it's it's really quite, it's a financial expense, but also it, it's a double financial expense because you've got to pay for the airfare and the conference, but you've, 
you've also got to either use your leave up or go totally mm. without pay to attend. So it's actually, mm. yeah, it's a, so hence not many Australians have got over there. Um, so it'd be wonderful to actually um, have something here that's, yeah, that caters for, because we've got lots and lots of teachers here who have attended the conferences we've run and they're really keen, but due to COVID, we haven't been able to run another one. And, um, and they've all, they're all like at different varying points now of, you know how it is when you first get started and if you don't have that access to quality training and, and really good mentors, you tend to just, your understanding of it just weakens. And then before you know it, you're, you're back teaching the way that, um, you, the way you were taught. So, yeah, so that's my, where I would really like to focus is supporting those teachers. So you mean materials to, to help teachers? Um... Well, well, basically for teachers to use with students. Right. So resources. I mean, ultimately I'd love to publish a novel in Indonesian because there is no TCI novels. There's the novels that we get from Indonesia are incredibly incomprehensible. Um, they're full of, of very high, a low frequency language that, um, yeah, it's not really helpful. And you can, you can start your YouTube channel, just like Anne with Spanish. <laughs> but with oh, I've, I've got a YouTube channel. Okay. And I have, I used to have 10,000, um, what are they called? Subscribers. Okay. Um, because I had a viral video. And have, have you heard of Bluey? Of? Bluey. Bluey? There's, yeah, Bluey. <laughs> Bluey is an Australian children's cartoon, uh -huh. which has taken off globally. And the, the same week that Disney Plus bought the rights to the first season, okay. I put on my YouTube channel just a funny Bluey video. <laughs> and... It went viral and I ended up getting 10,000 subscribers. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah, the videos had yeah, 17, oh, I don't know, some ridiculous number of views. But um, yeah, Bluey's very popular. Um, and as far as um, uh, yeah, videos, uh, children's cartoons or animations to watch, uh, that is a fabulous one. Um, but I think, not quite sure, but it's only on Disney Plus, I think. Um, think anyway where was i going with that yes so i've got my own youtube channel oh ah, so, and you and have stories there or beg your pardon uh, you have stories in Indonesian on your channel i do i've i put up parallel stories so i have a blog as well i'm not quite sure if you know so my blog is specifically aimed at um, supporting tci teachers mm -hmm. mostly i mean they're not all indonesian teachers but mostly indonesian and the blog just really um chronicles reflect i went, chronicles my my um my journey i like to think of uh, being a tci teacher but also sharing what's worked for me what's been successful um and and usually i upload videos to my youtube channel that have worked for me as well right. so that the other teachers can use them but also so that my students can access them in out of school time so it's specifically aimed at Supporting right. teachers and students with language. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave the link to, to your channels, like the YouTube channel and, and the blog. That'll be cool, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. that. That's good, that's good. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a look at it, see if I can pick up some Indonesian. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be funny to see more if you recognize the stories because they're based on um, well-known TCI stories that I've just translated into Indonesian. Okay. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what one of them is. A, a lot of Jim Tripp stories that we've found that have worked well. Um, yeah, he's been very generous actually, um, supporting us with our, our yeah. uh, tr you know, uh, trying, because Indonesian doesn't, it doesn't actually translate so smoothly because we don't have, I mean, we have more cognates than Mandarin, thankfully, but it's still, it's still not as incredible as Spanish. Right, um, right. Mm, so we have to, it does take a lot of tweaking to get the language mm -hmm. to actually work yeah. um, in, a, in a meaningful way. Right. Yeah. Mm. I was thinking that, I think I still remember from the first time I went to Ajan, which, uh -huh. which was 2016, Annie, okay. Annie Beach went there. Yep. And she, she did a little demo in Indonesian. I still she remember. Did. I still yes. remember the word for butterfly, kupu kupu, right? Oh, you do. That's, oh she'll be thrilled. Because <laughs> I, 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 like, I have it in my head. I have, like, I'm picturing Annie's yes. uh, face <laughs> and, and the gesture she did. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. Kupu kupu. Yeah, well, it's funny because, oh, I, I thought I could. I'm not sure now, but I can remember the word for, in Breton from when I was there with Daniel, you know, for stranger. I think it's Dev. Oh, now I can see it in my head. I can't pronounce it anymore. But um, if you said it, I would recognize it. But um, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? How you have that one word that mm -hmm. sticks in your head. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, Annie's retired. So mm. she's moved. She's not teaching Indonesian anymore. Yeah. It's, mm. the, it's the combination of, you know, the story, the teacher, the gesture. Combination of and, different factors. And the repetitions, yeah. Oh, of mm. course, yeah. Mm. But that, that was like 10, 15 minute demo. That was it. Yeah, so. yeah. and it was late at night because wasn't it when you, what what was it called? Yeah, it was the afternoon evenings, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm. Annie was telling me about it, um, how it took her a long time to actually get the courage to get up and to do it. But then she was <laughs> regretting that she hadn't done it earlier because then she could have done it again. Yeah, because yes. she, she was a like, wonderful teacher. And, mm. yeah. Isn't she? She is a wonderful teacher, for sure. Right. Yeah. And yeah, one other question, like when, so when you start with your students for the first time, because again, back to your point, it's not like Spanish or French that you can have more cognates and mm. words that you recognize. So how, how do you go about it? Do you start with storytelling right away when you have complete beginners or um i do um i start with jim's trip story it's always the first one i tell and and it's funny because well not tell but um focus on it's funny because all of us are in the same boat all of us indonesian teachers down here in that we all start off with a, a brand new cohort who knows nothing and um most people don't do this story but i love it i love the place to make your story where you know, it's so-and-so, um, I usually start off with, um, so the, the structures are basically, um, my, uh, who are you? My name is, um, oh, what is it? Um, oh, and said, I think that's basically what it is. Um, 
So, you know, so-and-so's, I usually say, you know, so-and-so's at McDonald's. So what I do is I use the, you know, the familiar place for my students, which is McDonald's. And the language that's in it, there's two words. There's in um, and from in the story. And I just say those in English because I don't see the point in, I'm very much, um, the, one of the things I really tell, um, I believe strongly in is cognitive overload. And um, so I always, I'm always stressing that you avoid that. And if ne necessary, then you use the English word mm -hmm. so that, you're, that, that there's no confusion and no, um, yeah, so it supports comprehension. So it's usually, you know, someone's at McDonald's, someone else is at McDonald's, but the someone else is always the classroom teacher, that their classroom, so the cohort that I'm teaching. So it might be Batman at McDonald's and then Mrs. Jackson's at McDonald's. And then, you know, Batman says, hello, my name is Batman. What's your name? And Mrs. Jackson says, hello, Batman. My name is Mrs. Jackson. And he says, Mrs. Jackson, Mrs. Jackson from the school that you're teaching. Oh my goodness gracious me, autograph. And you know, it's, so you can see how, how simple it is. And yet it's, it uses really important language in an Indonesian context with my name is and what's your name um, and said. So which are, comes up all the time. So that's the, that's the story I start off with. Right, so it's like, like real life context, right? <laughs> and then characters or situations they're familiar with being that mm -hmm. your your colleague or mcdonald's and so on mm -mm, that's right and then i guess when you talked about oh my god you just go go ahead and sign it yep. Right? yeah 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 yep. so a lot of gestures and real life and objects and yeah mm, yep and there's a lot of english to support it um because it's all about it's not only about learning the language, but it's also about learning the process of being in a TCI classroom or a TPRS classroom, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of protocol and process. You know, the actors have to know that they they have to be, you know, they have to act and engage, you know, be engaging and be entertaining. They have to know that they can't ad lib. They've got to stick to the script and only do what I say. And um, I forgot what, there's a third thing, but I forgot what it is. But so it's all about, it's a huge, it's quite an intensive program when you first start because you're teaching language, you're teaching how a TCI classroom goes because it is like nothing they've ever experienced before. Mm -hmm. Most, even most lessons, you know, non-language lessons are so formal and everyone sits down and you're know, at a table and just is shush. Whereas here I'm saying, you know, it's really clever to call out an Indonesian and they're like, what? calling out yeah don't call it out in english call out in indonesian that's clever you know all of this you know it's just it's it's quite a flip on their understanding of what learning is like so right. it, there's a lot of learning if you like in that first story that you do mm -hmm. yeah and they get to move around and like the other classes and yeah there's a lot of moving around in fact i did i did a lot of tpr and um because I, I large, I'm now only working with pre-literate students, which are students that have emerging, emerging literacy levels, and most of them are, don't have any literacy, uh, don't read or write. So, um, uh, so it's a very active program that I do, and some teachers stay in the classroom um, while I'm working with it, and I think they really struggle with the the the, the movement because there's a lot of movement. And there's a lot of talking and a lot of, you know, loud noise. And 
they find that quite challenging. And yeah. I actually had one teacher last year, actually, last year, last week, actually say, shh. <laughs> I don't tell my kids to be quiet in my lesson. It was quite funny. Yeah. Luckily, the kids ignored it. They're <laughs> Turn it down. You're too loud. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're perfect. <laughs> they're kids. They're supposed yeah. to be loud, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. Mm. Cool. Yeah. So Great. I'm really, really enjoying working with pre-literate students. I'm actually in the middle of writing a blog post about it because... It would have to be the most challenging cohort to work with on it, I think in any language, because it's probably the cohort of or the of, le of learners who have the least amount of anything read you know, for teachers. Because if you think about the majority of conferences and workshops are aimed at secondary and tertiary with and the, sec the, the secondary level eight. Uh, students you know if you, they come down to about year five sometimes you're lucky you might get a year four sort of program or suggestion but there is very very little available for the pre-literate cohort and and there is zero for Indonesian teachers of that cohort um, and I just saw today that somebody's Erica Burge I think her name is has just had her um, she's going to be presenting it uh, at full doing pre-literate you know, activities for pre-literate um, learners. She's called it herding kittens, which I think is the perfect name for it. Um, and I'm thinking, wow, that's so exciting that at ACTFL there's going to be a dedicated workshop finally for teachers of pre-literate students. It's pretty exciting. Because right. there's a new set of things that you need to consider, right? Because I mean, obviously, I teach adults, so it's just completely different because they're just like me teaching adults and teaching Spanish, which is there are a lot of cognates between Spanish and English. So there's just so much more that I can get away with because of that. And then, you know, my students, they're, they're, paying, they're, they're sitting down and paying attention for an hour, you know, while That's kids right. it to me move around. So there's... That's right. Like, and so, so yeah, so my kids, my students can sit for five or 10 minutes at a push. So very short chunks. And there's no point doing a point and pause because they can't read it. You know, so you've got, you've got the language has is 90% is oral. You know, the input is all oral. Whereas you think of an adult class or a, an, a, you know, an upper primary, early secondary class, there's language everywhere and the kids can refer to it if they need it. And right. that's just yeah, not an option for pre-literate students. Right. It's a totally different ball game. Yeah, and, and the, the knowledge of the words is so much higher when, when adults, I mean, adults and, mm. and high school students, or, yeah. Mm. Mm. You can use a lot of real life examples to help them understand exactly. what you're talking about. Exactly, exactly, yes, yeah. But the good yeah. thing, on the other hand, I'm thinking about is, well, obviously pre-literates, they, they don't have any prejudices, if you may, if you oh. will, when it comes to, you know, I need to consciously study that. No, <laughs> they, no. they haven't been programmed yet. <laughs> and That's uh, so true. Right. And I guess it's, it's closer to the experience of just teaching your kid, your native language. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh, they're a wonderful bunch to work with. 
They're so enthusiastic. They just, they, they will do anything for you. So if you want to volunteer, you actually hurt their feelings when you don't choose them. It's like not with secondary, you're flat out getting, well, with year eights last year anyway, I was flat out getting you know, one or two people to volunteer. And it would be the mm. same people all the time if, to be the actors. Because right. um, whereas it's the total flip of flip side of that. It's so good. And they're, they're inclusive as well. They're kind to each other. Mm -hmm. It's so nice. It's yeah. really lovely. And yeah. oh, it's just, they're just a beaut bunch to work with. Mm. Yeah, like, um, like high schoolers are already thinking about what the other person is going to think if I volunteer. Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The best thing about it is there's no hormones. That's what I love about it because after working with you six, seven, and eights last year, I just thought, oh, I need a break from these hormonal teenagers who are just, uh, they're just, yeah, life is so crazy for them that it make it's very unpleasant. Mm. Yeah, I understand. And mm. also, I guess for you as a teacher, it's way easier to focus on the message as well, because that's what I mean when you're teaching your students. Because if you're teaching high schoolers, you you may have the what's the word, not the tendency, but the, uh, flexibility. No, no, no. I mean that. Be, because your pre-literate pre students, they obviously don't care about the, the about form or specific structures. You don't even, it's not even in for you, right? But yes. when, when it comes to Output. students in high school, you might have, yeah. ah, I, I can think of the word, not the tendency, but you might, you might think about giving them some grammar here and there because you think oh. it's going to help them. Obviously, it's not, mm. but you know, mm. I can think of the word anyway. <laughs> you understand what I mean? <laughs> I do. I do understand what you and mean. With, with with four or five year olds, you you would never think about okay. So this is uh, present tense or whatever. You just never no want them to understand what you're talking about. You just want to communicate with them. That's right. The focus is totally on communication. Yeah. yeah. And they 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 never worry about what they look like. In fact, the crazier they look, the happier they are. So you can, right, 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 right. and they respond so well to really quirky, crazy, funny, yeah, stories, images. Yeah, they're just they're so easy to engage. They're highly motivated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but mm. I think it's a good example for adults, like uh, for 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 teaching adults. I mean that. Uh, Obviously, again, because, so we understand comprehensible input is the way, right? But hmm. <laughs> still here and there, we have the, the tendency, again, for lack of a better word, <laughs> to give them some grammar explanation here and there, right? Yeah. And that's not helping them. <laughs> yeah, we can't help ourselves. Yes. Yeah. It's almost automatic that you want to explain it. But Right, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. However, I try and I try, I think, I can't remember who it was. It could have been someone like Laurie Clark, basically, with, when she said, basically, you know, that you're right where you're supposed to be. So if you know that, if you know that you, you want to ask and understand that grammar point, you will ask it. And so in my head, I'm always saying, well, if the kids don't ask me, I'm not going to tell them. Um, right. For example, in Indonesian, there's two no words. Is no if it's a noun, and then there's an, another no word that for everything else. 
So I use them all the time. I try and use them correctly and I don't, I can't say I'm wonderful 100% of the time in a classroom context. But, you know, in all that time, I think I've had two kids ask me why there's two no words. Everybody else, it's just water off the duck's back because they're not at the point where they need to know, hey, why did you use bukan in that point and tidak in another context? And yeah. so, yeah. And the, the funny thing is, actually, we don't need to know either. It just no, we have the conscious ability to pay attention to that. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It sounds right. <laughs> no, but it, it, I guess because, I mean, because of our experience with the traditional grammar approach and we've been programmed for that, mm. um, we want we want to know, like we consciously want to know, why do you use that? Why do you do that? And why, right. do you use, why, why do you use no for two in two different uh, ways? Mm. But mm. that's just like a short-term way to sort of calm us down. It is a short term. It it's is, not, you're right. It's actually hurting you. Yes, that's so true. So you, and, as a teacher, you feel better because you you feel like yes. helping them and they feel better because they feel like they understand what, what's going on, but it's not helping anybody. No, <laughs> if anything, you've just added to the cognitive load. Um, yep. It's, yeah, it's funny. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And you know the the funny the best thing about learning Indonesian is that Indonesian native Indonesian speakers are so grateful when that you're learning their language. Then if you use the wrong no in the wrong context, they're not going to say you know, they're not going to point the finger at you and laugh. They're just going to be, oh, that's amazing! You're speaking Indonesian. Yeah, you, know, you just have to say one sentence in Indonesian, and they're like. Oh, you're so fluent. They're really, really encouraging. They're just so impressed that you, you're right. making an effort. So why do you have to know? Why is it important that they know yeah. why you use different no's? It's as long as they're negating, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And it's comprehensible. The meaning's clear. Correct. Yeah, and it, it even feels that way for us who, quote unquote, have a more popular language as a native language. So, I mean, when, when someone tries to use Spanish with me, I appreciate it, you know? Absolutely. So I, I can't imagine what it feels like for them because I guess they're not used to foreigners trying to learn Indonesian, right? Mm. That's true. That's really true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. So any, any other thing that you have in mind that we didn't touch <laughs> on or? <laughs> well, I think we've, we've covered a really broad range of topics here tonight yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. and so i'll yeah i'll, I'll link um, like i'll i'll post I'll, I'll, I'll list uh, all the links that you told me about your web, youtube channel and your mm -hmm. your blog. blog as well that's the main two things yeah uh, people interested yeah. in learning indonesian that would be <laughs> that might be a good start <laughs> yeah yes i'm I, I have had people contact me you know asking if I could teach them Indonesian, but um, I'm, I'm more interested in supporting my, my you know, supporting TCI teachers. Mm -hmm. That's, I will make time to support TCI teachers of Indonesians in Australia, um, in fact, anywhere really, but mainly in Australia. But I, I'm not, that to, teaching Indonesian is more a retirement job for me when I've got, when I'm more flexible. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. So, but if anybody wants to ask me questions or especially if they read something on my blog or they've looked at one of my videos and they've got questions and on any aspect, yeah, they can always get in contact with me. And obviously, yeah, um, all those contact details are, I think, basically, yeah, you can contact me through the blog or you can contact me on Facebook. You know, obviously, I'm just Boo Kathy, so that's who I, you can contact me through that as well. Hmm. All right. So thank you so much. Kathy. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful. It's been wonderful. I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's been the case for me. Like um, I'm really enjoying this. I think it's helpful, super helpful for for listeners that because they, they get to because we all have similar ideas. I mean, we all believe mm -hmm. comprehensible input is the way, because that's, again, that's the way we all acquire our native language. It's not that mm -hmm. we're coming out with, with a crazy idea, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But we all have our different resources that we use or different takes on it, or even, yeah. you know, the, the different languages that we teach, you know? Mm -hmm. so I had Diane from, from, from the US and she teaches yeah. Mandarin Chinese, so. Mm -hmm. There's little nuances here and there that are gonna help. Or even if, if you're interested in learning that specific language, that specific episode is gonna help you. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. the most important thing, I'm I'm enjoying them so so much. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great, it's wonderful. It's good to get to know all the TCI practitioners around the world and right. and um yeah, touch base. Spread spread the word. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kathy. And thank you for being so flexible about our our, our um, start times and dates no and so no There's always, uh, when there's a time difference, there's always the possibility of mixing things mm. up. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Right. Common. Thanks, Kathy. And all right. Thank you. Thank you. And um, all the best. Same for you. Bye-bye. Okay. See you later. Bye-bye.